My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Wednesday the 16th of November. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. One of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges has collapsed and it's sending shockwaves through the crypto community. So how does a company once worth $32 billion end up bankrupt? What we have here is a slow motion train wreck running into a dumpster fire. And what does it mean for the future of finance? TDA journalist Tom Crowley will be joining us to explain everything in today's deep dive. But first, Sam, let's start with the headlines. A Pfizer vaccine targeting the Omicron strain of COVID-19 has been approved as a third and fourth booster dose. It was confirmed by Health Minister Mark Butler after Atagi found the vaccine made a modest improvement in response to some strains. A record number of votes were cast on the first day of early voting for the Victorian election. The Victorian Electoral Commission said that over 115,000 votes were cast on Monday alone. That's 52% more than on the first day of early voting in 2018. Victorians don't need a reason to vote early for this year's election, which will take place on the 26th of November. I thought it was looking a bit crowded in here, Zara. The global population has now reached 8 billion people, which the United Nations says is a milestone in human development. The population is now three times higher than it was in 1950, and it's expected to peak at around 10.4 billion people during the 2080s and stay at this level until 2100. And finally, some good news. The Gillaroos have qualified for the Rugby League Women's World Cup with an 82-0 victory over Papua New Guinea. They'll now play New Zealand in the grand final. Tom, how are you going? I'm very well, Zara. Pleasure to be here. In today's deep dive, we're talking about the collapse of one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world. But before we get into it, I don't invest in crypto. Why should I and anyone else that doesn't invest in crypto actually care about this story? Well, I don't invest in crypto either, Zara, <laughs> but I do find it a fascinating topic. You know, people talk about crypto as the future. It promises to, to change the world. And so when it goes through a really rough week, and I think this is probably the roughest week in the history of crypto, I think it's really important to take a look at what that means for crypto and the people who put their money in it, but also what it means for the broader world of, of finance. Okay. So in that explanation, I think you mentioned the word crypto at least 25 times. Can you just explain what it actually is, cryptocurrency? <laughs> yeah. Yes, crypto, crypto, crypto. So cryptocurrency is digital money, basically. So when you think about traditional money like Australian dollars, for example, of course you can spend Australian dollars online, but they're tied to something in the real world. In this case, it's the Australian government. And most of the sort of traditional sources of money that we use are tied to a government, US dollars to the US government, et cetera. Cryptocurrencies are not like that at all. They exist in their own little online bubble. Um, which on the one hand kind of makes them a little bit riskier because they only have any value if people buy into them and choose to use them and believe that they have value. On the other hand, though, what the advocates of crypto say is that their kind of online system, which uses a whole bunch of new technology, I won't go into all the details, 
But the idea is it's supposed to protect you against theft and fraud. You know, people who talk about crypto talk about its, you know, transformative p- potential. It's a new way of doing business um, that, that uses kind of online technology, a new form of money, but it is fundamentally just money. So then where does FTX come into this? Can you just explain what that is and why we're talking about it today? Yeah, so FTX is, uh, or was, I suppose, until it collapsed this week, one of the biggest crypto exchanges. And what's an exchange? So it's basically just as the name suggests, it's a way of swapping one form of money for another. So normal, traditional currency exchange, I might, you know, walk into a currency exchange place and swap some Australian dollars for some US dollars. Crypto exchanges just allow you to switch traditional money for crypto and switch between different types of crypto. Normally, exchanges are not that big a deal, but crypto exchanges have taken on, I guess, a bit of a bigger significance in the crypto world than what we might normally think from exchanges. Um, And in part, I think that's because, you know, crypto is this new thing. People might hear it, they might be curious about it, but they may not know where to start. The big exchanges have really been, I guess, the gateway for people to get into crypto and FTX bigger than than anything else in that regard. And I guess one of the best examples of the way that FTX was presenting itself to the world was an ad that they ran at the Super Bowl earlier this year. Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. So that's uh, comedian Larry David in that ad. Again, that sort of celebrity power. And you can hear how FTX is positioning itself for people who are sceptical about crypto, who don't know much about it, again, as the gateway. So it was founded by 30-year-old billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried, who I'll refer to for the rest of the podcast by his initials SBF. That's what he goes by. And he's kind of, I guess, crypto's biggest celebrity in a sense. As the founder of this exchange, he's kind of an eccentric character and he's really been at the forefront of encouraging people to invest in crypto. He's donated a lot to to the Democrats in America. He's partnered with celebrities like Tom Brady and Steph Curry. I'm not an expert and I don't need to be. With FTX, I have everything I need to buy, sell and trade crypto safely. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, a message from our sponsor. So take me through when things started to go wrong for FTX. Yeah, so it all began in early November when a crypto news outlet called Coindesk published a report that shed some light on FTX's finances. And there's lots of technical details that I sort of won't go too much into all of those. But the basic idea was that FTX was taking risks with the money that customers had put on the exchange. And that's something that exchanges are not normally allowed to do. They're not banks. So when you put your money in a bank, the bank might invest that money and try and make you a return. Exchanges are not supposed to be doing that kind of thing. You know, they make their money from charging you a fee to do the exchange, but they're not supposed to take big risks with your money. What emerged was that FTX had a side company called Alameda Research, which was also owned by SBF, the billionaire. And Alameda Research was taking essentially customers' money in the form of FTX's cryptocurrency, FTT, taking billions of dollars of that and effectively gambling with it, putting it into really risky ventures to try and chase a return for, for Alameda and for SPF to make the money. And this was something that customers didn't know about. There was not a lot of transparency. Even a lot of investors in FTX didn't know that this was happening. But this Coindesk report, I guess, brought that to light and it did start to, to raise some alarm bells for a lot of people who are looking on and thinking, hold on a minute. I mean, is that a very stable and sensible way for an exchange to be operating? 
And so alarm bells were raised, but then did anyone expect the collapse that happened next? Uh, So not immediately. It certainly prompted some concerns, uh, but things started to really spiral a couple of days later. So the real trouble began when FTX's biggest rival, Binance, another crypto exchange, its owner, Changpeng Zhao, announced that he was going to sell essentially the, the money that he held in FTX. Then over the next couple of days, Binance turned around and said, actually, no, we're going to help to bail out FTX from this difficult situation that it's in. We're going to acquire it. And then a day later, pulled out of that deal and said, no, actually, we've done our due diligence. We've taken a closer look at FTX's books and we think their problems are too big for us to fix, that their finances are structured in too risky a way. We are not going to buy them. And that is when people really started to panic uh, because, again, there was this sort of sense of, oh, hold on, you know, Binance has seen something here that is unstable. And over the course of the next few days, customers rushed to take billions and billions of dollars out of FTX in, in one go. Everyone panicked and wanted to take their money out. Problem being that in part because of this structure, FTX didn't have the money on hand to give it to people. So because they had been using this money and tying it up in various projects and investments and that sort of thing, they ran into, the technical term is, liquidity trouble. All of these people wanted to pull their money out and they said, ah, sorry, we don't actually have it on hand for you. And so essentially what happened then was that FTX collapsed. It went bankrupt. Bankruptcy being essentially kind of a bit of a holding pattern that lets you try and figure out how you're going to pay all of these debts. And so a whole bunch of people are left with money trapped inside FTX that they can't get out. Uh, And SBF has had his entire fortune wiped out. It's all kind of exploded in a ball of flames. What happens now if you're a customer? Where do you go from here? Well, we, we really don't know. And it's kind of a bit of a brave new world. So SBF has left. He's resigned as the CEO as well. We know that. And a new CEO has been appointed who's kind of an expert in companies in this sort of difficult position to try and figure out what can happen. But it's not entirely clear whether people will get their money back. And this is where we get into the question of regulation. So I mentioned before that normal exchanges are regulated pretty tightly in terms of what they can do with customers' money. Crypto exchanges have not generally been regulated in that way. They tend to be based offshore from from the US and offshore from the countries that they operate in, in part so that they don't have to reveal as many details about their finances. And again, I guess, as I said at the front, you know, a big part of crypto's promise was this freedom from governments, freedom from normal banking, this new unregulated way of dealing with money. And I guess in a situation like this, you see the consequences of that, which is that when something goes really wrong, as it has with FTX, there isn't really the same legal framework and protections that might normally be there to ensure that people will get their money back. I mean, if we're having broader conversations about the regulation of crypto more generally, what do you think that this case study will mean for the rest of the crypto industry at large? I think it's a really big hit to the reputation of crypto in general. So it's, it's already been a bit of a rough year for crypto. There have been sort of smaller failures throughout the year, some smaller exchanges and smaller companies. But again, FTX is the big one. The fact that this big fish, the guy who was being talked about as the saviour of crypto, has turned out to have run his finances in such a risky way and has collapsed so spectacularly, that undermines confidence in the whole thing. And it must be said, SBF, who's, who's been tweeting all over the place in the last few days and saying all sorts of different things, I think he said in an interview in the last couple of days, uh, something along the lines of, oh, actually, lots of other exchanges are already in this sort of trouble. You just don't know it yet, which is not exactly helping to establish that sort of confidence. So it's certainly going to be an interesting challenge for the industry to, to prove uh, that it is not vulnerable in the same way that FTX was. It will certainly be an interesting one to watch. And though it's not 
at all by any means the most important part of this. I'd like to get to a stage in life where I too am known by my initials. (laughs) (laughs) What's your middle name? Because I feel like you need three. ZS doesn't quite have the same ring to it, but there you go. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Always a pleasure, Zara. Thanks for joining us today on The Daily Oz. If you learned something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. Have a great day and we'll be back again tomorrow morning.